Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. Of course, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. We have an incredible, epic, really amazing episode here for you today. I am bringing on one of my very dear friends, Michael Bledsoe, who is an incredible fitness, health, and wellness-based entrepreneur and fitness technology entrepreneur here in the Encinitas community. And he really has helped create a global impact in the CrossFit and overall fitness performance world with his multiple podcasts, he is one of the co-hosts of Barbell Shrug, which I I believe reaches hundreds of thousands of people regularly. And then he also just released recently his personal podcast, The Bledsoe Show, which I was one of the first guests on, which was just an incredible deep dive interview where it really allowed me to go in about a million different directions, um, diving into esoteric and also very practical nuances that him and me both love to dive into. So that was a lot of fun. Definitely recommend that you guys check out his podcast and listen to that episode. Um, however, in this episode, we dove so deep into a number of different things. The theme of this interview was really around... I want to say peak performance, but in such a different element than just fitness. This was actually the first interview, surprisingly, that we dove into fitness and different um, aspects of functional movement. However, Bledsoe, Michael Bledsoe is so much more than just a fitness-focused individual. He's really about fitness of the mind, fitness of your emotional balance, emotional coherence, and really fitness of the soul. The more I've gotten to know him, I've really learned so much more about him underneath the surface of what a lot of people on the internet might kind of judge or just get from some of the the surface level stuff um, that's out there in the world. But this interview really went a level deeper and we dove into a number of different topics. And really, if I had to sum this up, it's really about optimizing your life as an intricate holistic system where everything works together and when you optimize one thing you are helping to align and up level every other pillar of your life and so it's really about integrative and holistic optimization of your life as a system and i love this conversation i got to do it with him in person and um it was a good time we had a lot of laughs we just had an amazing time diving in together and I think you're going to love it as well. So without further ado, enjoy this great, great conversation with Michael Bledsoe and I. Mike Bledsoe, host of the Barbell Shrugged Barbell Business and the Bledsoe Show. Mike has been coaching and honing his health and performance for over 20 years with the goal of creating the biggest impact possible. He uses video shows, podcasts, software, and entrepreneurship to reach as many people as possible. As an athlete, he has competed and coached many sports, primarily weightlifting and CrossFit in the last decade. As an entrepreneur, he has successfully co-founded Faction Strength and Conditioning, Barbell Shrugged, and Barbell Business. He has a passion for helping others grow, define, and achieve success. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to this for a little while, and uh, I'm excited to dive in with you. There's a number of bullet points that I want to jump in with you, especially relating to human performance, human performance and human potential. 
and and any interesting nuances or directions that we go with that. But I know that's like a huge passion for you. Yeah, I think I'm one of the things I'm learning more and more about right now is I, I like how you said human potential mm-hmm. because we have human performance and I think people will draw certain conclusions and human potential uh, is this thing where uh, it can be very abstract or mm-hmm. people for me personally, when I think about human potential, there's many more directions because I think performance yeah. is much easier to define. And then yes. when we get to potential, it's like potential for what? Right. And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting conversation just last night. And we were talking about, uh, building physical capacity for, uh, for spiritual purposes. Yeah. For, for building like that, a, a capacity in the body to, to handle more, yeah. uh, okay. spiritual experiences. Yeah. And it's, a very interesting thing because I find myself a lot of times doing things and behaving in ways before I can actually explain it, which I think, which I think, I think is true for most people mm. or for most people who are innovative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's an innovative quality, isn't it? Like to leap before you think, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, just, trying things on for the sake of trying things and then yeah, yeah. running what seems like to the outside perspective as a random experiments and just going, Oh, I want to see what this does and letting like trusting the subconscious to collect the data mm-hmm. and, and give you that intuitive knowledge of, yes, we should keep doing this. I think it's good for that. How? Not sure yet. Let's mm-hmm. keep, let's keep going. In we that need direction. more information, but let's keep going. Yeah. This is, you know, Yes, I think this is good. Or no, we should pump the brakes on this one and uh, maybe look at how it was conducted or something. Yeah, it sounds like you like to take a gamification approach to life. So you're you're kind of gamifying your experience opposed to what I find most people do is they get paralyzed by their own thought process, their own self-limitations or their conditioning around whatever they believe is possible and they just get stopped in their own tracks. Um, and I think there's a seriousness addiction there too. Like we're taking everything so, you know, literal and it's like critical seriousness where there's like kind of a release when you're just like, no, it's, it's a game. It's a virtual simulation. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> we're just like experimenting and, and just having experiences. Yeah. I, I've seen, I think I've seen too much. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, is what yeah. it is. I think I think <laughs> I've been exposed to some some shit that if I were to describe it to people in full depth, I don't think the average person would quite believe it. Yeah. And because I've seen so much shit, it's one of those things where I'm much more likely to ask the question, "Why not?" versus "Why." Yes. Ooh. Okay. Wait. So do you think that that quality, that, that, that kind of affinity to even, uh, to ask that question opposed to the other first is like, it's like intrinsic to, I don't know, like visionaries or entrepreneurs or people that are on the leading edge. Yeah. I think it's an innovative or even an early adopter type quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I find it to be very helpful for me. Mm. And I think, uh, I, I think I have to be careful because when people ask why I sometimes feel like they're questioning me instead of getting I, I clarity. Feel, yeah. I get that too. Yeah. yeah. So people are like, start asking, well, why are you doing this? Yeah. And I have to check myself because sometimes I, I tend to take it personally and want to be defensive when totally. in all reality, they're just, they want clarity and I have to realize they don't have, the same perspective as I do. So it might even be like a complete, they're having a perspective adjustment and sometimes it can come off as like they're, they're questioning it. Um, Yeah. I think, I think people want to follow, but they, I think as a, as a leader, a lot of times when, as leaders, we, uh, sometimes forget that we didn't explain it very well. Mm. And so, <laughs> oh, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna teach what I'm learning. So, what I'm this is one of the lessons I've been learning recently is you know, 
when people are asking questions, it's because they want clarity and they want clarity because I've yet to explain it in a way that makes sense to them. And that's all they want. And a lot of times, uh, the people that are closest to me are not afraid to ask the questions, whereas mm-hmm. some people are. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of people in my life where I, I highly, they drive me crazy sometimes, and I highly <laughs> value them because they're my barometers. Mm-hmm. If they're asking for clarity, that means that other people need clarity too. Yeah, And I think that a lot of people avoid having people in their life that ask them hard questions for clarity because they feel like they're being questioned. Yes. And when that happens... People, people who could be leaders end up wondering why no one's listening to them. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's because they've pushed away all their barometers of what of, uh, of clarity. Like almost like re- their reality checks in yeah. the form of people that are a little more objective to their own vision. Yeah, and I've had people – there's a few people in my life that – will question me or that's what it feels like. They're asking for clarity mm. and I, um, and I, ha- I do have, I just have to check myself and it, oh, it causes me to better explain it to myself because sometimes I want to do something. I was like, well, why is it that I believe this? Mm. And, it, and then it, and it really helps me formulate it even for myself. And then I get even when people question me, I become more concrete a lot of times because there's so many things that someone who's an in, I'm, I'm intuitive person. Um, I think you're an intuitive person as yeah. well. And I think that when someone is highly intuitive, we don't always, we can't always verbalize yeah. the reason yeah. because it's a feeling, yeah. not a thought. Mm-hmm. And so the translation from feelings into thoughts can be an arduous process. And uh, going through that process, I think can be really important for humanity. Ooh, that's, that's brilliant. I, I, I'm resonating very strongly with this whole thread of consciousness here. Um, and that's an interesting thing. I find right now I'm doing a particular form of coaching or I'm going in a direction with my coaching practice where I'm focusing in on, um, or better yet, I'm just showing up to what's showing up to me. Um, where what is what is showing up to me is a lot of people that are visionaries, they're leaders, but they just kind of have the training wheels on, right? Mm-hmm. And they just need somebody that can help lead them into their own leadership. Um, and they're all very empath- empathic. They're all very intuitive. And I, what it appears to me is that they they are like very close to that full ownership, but they're not quite sure because there's still that level of conditioning from society. There's still that kind of hyper logical imposition from people around them. Um, so they're not totally sure if like they 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 can trust their intuition or trust their inner guidance. And I think speaking to that is super important. I think there's a uh, there's a TED talk by I think Cameron Harold did it and uh in the TED talk that he's got this video anyways it, it's cool um but the the video is about you can't be a leader unless you have followers and uh and he was really highlighting the uh importance of the first follower mm. and so uh because the first follower gives permission to other people to follow um, right. And because before anyone follows, you're a crazy person. So, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, so you can't, a lot of people call it like, oh, I'm a visionary. It's like no one's following. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right now you're in that other category. <laughs> <laughs> people are following, which is, which is a plus. But the thing is, is, um, yeah, I think I had to get comfortable with accepting a follower or a handful of followers who, uh, who want clarity. Mm. Okay. Let's take that point. And I want to, I want to trace it back like an origin story a little bit. So for you, because where you're at now, you're in a place that I would consider to be a certain level of success and, and you, you and the people that you've worked with, you have a, there's a large community and people that follow your work in a, in a big audience. So let's take us back a little bit. Like where, when was the point where, um, 
you might have been considered or even what we're considering like a quote unquote crazy person or, or before the following started? Like, what was that like for you, that, that shift? I, I remember the day. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I remember the day I, I was training at University of Memphis on a Saturday and I was playing my music that was a little too much. And uh, in the weightlifting gym, and this is when I was competing in uh, Olympic-style weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was with the weightlifting team, and our coach at the time uh, yanked the auxiliary cord to play on music uh, because I violated some rules. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it really – it, it kind of pissed me off. So what I did was – and he was completely in the right, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, – uh, I, I tr- really respect that guy. And, but, uh, but I left that day. I go, fuck it. I'm opening my own place. <laughs> uh huh. And everybody on the weightlifting team was going, Mike's crazy. Oh, you made a verbal declaration. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was like, fuck it. All right. I don't, even, I, I don't, I think I, I'm not sure I even finished my training session. I'm not sure. And, uh, I walked out and, <laughs> and and all the, everyone in the way the thing was like, all right, Mike's crazy. <laughs> Did they not necessarily think that before that moment? Yeah, they were, they suspected. <laughs> there, was, there was deep suspicion that <laughs> that, might that was the confirmation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, up to that point, I, I yeah, they, they suspected I was crazy, but that that was the moment where they were like. Yeah, right, whatever. And then I didn't come. Like, I disappeared for weeks, right? <laughs> so, and what I had what I'd done is I had been talking to one friend, and we decided to buy a bunch of weightlifting equipment and put it in his garage. And uh, and it was it was uh, late spring, early summer, so we decided to train in his carport, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we decided to open a gym together. Yeah. And really that was, you know, the first follower. His name's Rob, and he is currently my CFO. And mm, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, first follower, you know, just me and Rob in the carport. And then we, uh, then we moved into a garage, a big, uh, what was previously an auto mechanics garage, and we opened a gym. And then a year and a half later, I got a second, like, supporter, follower, what you want to call it. And that was who had been my roommate at the time and on the weightlifting team. And one of the guys that was like, oh, okay, Mike's crazy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I opened the gym, I was like, hey, I'm looking for business partners. And he's like, no, no. And then a year and a half later, he he, he comes and he joins. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, he buys into the gym. And, uh, you know, follower number two of sorts, you know, as far as business goes, you know, yeah. I definitely started building a following with clients. Yeah. At that yeah. point too, it was, I opened a gym. Uh, the funny thing is, is when I, I was doing a little bit of personal training at the school and none of my personal training clients came to the CrossFit gym that I opened. Mm, interesting. And so, uh, I ended up making it a CrossFit gym. Originally I was going to do a weightlifting gym, but, and I knew that nobody really wanted to do weightlifting back in 2006, 2007 mm. it, because no one knew what it was. Uh, and then I, I got introduced to CrossFit by a friend and I was like, oh, this is way more fun than weightlifting for the average person. Let's open that up because I think that'll be successful. And I enjoyed it. I was like, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Like if we got to have, we can have weightlifting, but we need that CrossFit needs to be the focus because it'll, it'll take off yes. that way. Uh, I don't want to starve to death. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it was kind of like, that's the origin story of, you know, oh, and now we have a team of, you know, I don't know how many people we have on the team, 20 something, uh-huh. maybe close to 30 people on the team that are, you know, that are employed by the company yeah. and who believe in what we're doing and we're trying to make a, a really big dent in the world and transform the fitness industry. And, you know, uh, there you go. That's the, that's kind of like, I can name the day. Yeah. 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 And, and I didn't really recognize it for what it was until I saw that Ted talk. And I do believe it was by Cameron Harold. Cameron Harold. Cameron Harold. I can get the, uh, the Ted talk. 
cool. send it to you. But yeah, I can put that. In the yeah, camera. in it, there's this one guy at a festival and he's dancing by himself and he looks like a crazy person yep. at the festival. Yep. And then a second person joins the crazy person, and now that the crazy person becomes the leader, and then and then uh, the 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 person who started dancing at this festival with this crazy person where everyone was just sitting down started recruiting. So mm-hmm. then there's this big mob of people dancing. Mm-hmm. And so now everyone's having a good time. That's that reminds, reminds me of the Frederick Nietzsche quote, which is I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but those who are dancing are thought crazy by those who couldn't hear the music. Right. And that's so fascinating, right? Because it does seem to be that, that common thread among Everybody, you want to call them visionaries. I think we just call particular people visionaries because of that, because of the abnormal kind of tendencies. Yeah. Because it's not normal compared, you know, in the society that we live in, what we consider normal. Um, but yeah. I think it's a normal human tendency For to sure. venture out into the into the anomalous path well we don't we don't support or teach visionary uh activities yes so we're very good at training people to follow and we're not very good at train we want people to follow the rules here's a box please stay in it (laughs) and uh that was great (laughs) a visionary (laughs) a visionary is uh is somebody who sees something Mm. it's very simple it's very simple yeah they see something and they see how it could be different and or better. That's it. Right, right. And the people who get named visionaries are the ones that are actually trying to make it different, make the change. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's very simple, but it's something that's discouraged throughout the majority of our lives. So not my life. I, I, I grew up uh, in a very... Uh, advantageous from an advantageous perspective in regard to being a visionary. Whereas I think most people um, are disadvantaged because uh, I didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. So I was homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was encouraged from the very beginning. I was, it was modeled that we do things differently. Yeah. 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 So those people go sit in a desk for eight hours inside a room with no windows. Uh, yeah, just do some studying and you know make sure you get good grades and uh, have a good time. And play outside and play do outside. Thing. Do some, you know, be physically active. Mm-hmm. You know, field trips. You know, a couple times a week. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, that's beautiful. So you set out on this quest to change and reinvent the fitness industry as you saw it. This is actually one of the first conversations on this podcast that is that brings someone on i mean i've had other people that are that are um, professional athletes but we haven't really like zoned in on that particular topic so there's some interesting things coming up for me i think it's interesting too because i was raised as an athlete in a in a aspiring professional athlete um but i just kind of it was i think i was just it was my life for 25 years that i just diverted into much different interests but um but this kind of brings me back so you know there's a few questions coming up but you know just from that perspective what is it that you saw from the fitness industry that you felt was um that needed or could use a upgrade or optimization you know when when i first opened the gym that wasn't my intention i just knew that memphis tennessee mm. needed an upgrade okay you know <laughs> And, and I, and CrossFit back then was revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't as mainstream as it is now. Yeah. It was a really, and I had never been in a CrossFit gym mm-hmm. and I knew that they were doing something different and it was fun. And I discovered Olympic weightlifting a couple of years prior to that. And that really, that weightlifting is what really revolutionized me personally, because up to that point I had been doing the bodybuilding type training program uh, and nutrition, and I did a lot of running and swimming. And so a lot of LSD, so long, slow distance. <laughs> okay. Long, yeah, yeah. slow distance. <laughs> and <laughs> Just so we're clear. Yeah. That, that was just to get people to listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I was doing what a lot of people 
were doing back then, mm-hmm. which was I was trying to accomplish this this whole physical spectrum. I wanted endurance. I wanted strength and all this, but I, I wasn't quite educated on how to get there. And then when CrossFit came along, there was this really cool explanation of it. But I'll, I'll say this. When I discovered weightlifting, it really just flipped everything I knew on its head. Mm. You know, There's an Olympic weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting, snatch and clean and jerk. Yeah. And I did that for a couple of years and then discovered CrossFit. And I was like, this. that was a little bit smoother transition. It was a hard transition from where I was at into Olympic weightlifting. Mm. So a lot of focus on movement. It was, it was my, my introduction to the more functional movement was the weightlifting piece. Okay. You know, the, yeah. the idea that you should be able to overhead squat. You know, you have the requisite ankle, hip, shoulder mobility to get in a, in a good position. Mm. And so... Um, and so, yeah, the, the CrossFit thing was just kind of like a, an upgrade from that. It just had a higher variety of movements and then it had some endurance pieces. So for me, it was when I look around, when I looked around Memphis, Tennessee at the, that time, I was like, man, nobody's doing anything like this at all. I'm going to revolutionize the scene in Memphis. I'm going to just provide the thing that I see missing. You know, mm-hmm. I see how it could be better. I'll open a gym. Yeah. And then after being in the, gym business for seven years, no, five years, sorry, you know, or it was, I'd say this in that five year period, uh, I'd say about every two years I get crazy and I want to do something new. Mm -hmm. Um, so I tried a bunch of things that failed. I even got into the equipment business for about 90 days, spent about 50 grand, broke even, decided it was not for me, got out. Um, but, uh, I started a podcast at one point which is what took off. Um, that was this, you know, the next step for me. Yeah. And it wasn't, and when I started doing the podcast, which is worldwide, I started that's, and it took a, a couple, two, three years before I really started having the vision of transforming the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. And so where I'm at right now is, um, I wanted to, in the beginning, uh, you know, the vision started small, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, and then it was, I'm going to transform the CrossFit industry. Because mm-hmm. I think that there's some some things that could be better. So I wanted to educate CrossFitters. And, and now I'm uh, – one of the things my business is, is doing is transforming the CrossFit industry from the gym business ownership. Like from being a gym owner right. and transforming that and teaching – professionalizing strength and conditioning in the functional fitness space. Right. So – uh, and by professionalizing that, that means the coaches are going to be more educated and are going to be more capable of helping their clients. Yes. So, yes. um, I'm so, really so you're big helping on that. other, other teachers, coaches, and leaders be able to professionalize and advance themselves professionally in what they do. And they can impact more clients more at a bigger, you know, in a bigger way. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then right now, uh, you know, I have a few different branches of the, of the business and a lot of what we're doing in the, in the health and fitness space in regard to athletes and coaches is I'm really wanting to shift the conversation towards, um, instead of having an approach of, I train and eat this way because I hate my body. <laughs> I, I train and uh-huh. eat this way because I love, because my, body. I love my body. And you know, yeah. there a lot of the reasons wow. why that is true right now is because the marketing sucks. Mm. The marketing is uh, based out of lack and out of negativity when we could be, uh, I'm a big fan of, I read a book recently, I got it over here, uh, Winning the Story Wars. Oh yeah, I have that. Yeah, that was recommended to me by a very uh, respected source. Yeah. And uh, that anyone who's interested in what I'm saying right now would be interested in that book. And, okay. uh, mm. you know, and that is instead of telling people, hey, you're, you're really fat, you should jump on a treadmill, you know, which is... <laughs> If you look at fitness marketing, that's pretty much that's, what it is. That's what you're getting. Go go open a magazine. Pick it up. See what's in there. See what the supplement companies oh. are saying. It's bad. It's if you can I've studied marketing long enough to where I see right through it now and it hurts. I'm like, "Whoa, this I'm is hurt. Yeah, it hurts a part of me even thinking taking that reality. I'm just thinking of some of those high high profile 
you know, mainstream, uh, yeah. you know, what was like the boot camp kill them into losing weight, which is not yeah. how your body functions. But I've even, I've even done it myself is, is just little sure. tiny things of like, you know, using, we know that we know that negative marketing works twice as good as positive marketing, right, right. but there's a way and this book outlines it. There's a way to really create, uh, cr- and it takes more work. That's the thing. It takes more work. and Mm -hmm. But your brand will last longer. So if you want to build something that lasts, you have to build a brand. If you want to convert people into dollars, then, yeah, you just need to, like, emotionally poke them and make them hurt just a little bit Mm -hmm. so they'll give you some money so you can sell them a product. So I'm interested in building the the long-lasting brand. And Mm -hmm. and in that case – and most businesses set themselves up as the hero and the journey – and the client or the potential client ends up being a spectator. Whereas um, what I think we could be doing is setting ourselves up as mentors and then creating a story in our brand where the, uh, where the audience member, where the potential client is the hero. Yes. And Ooh. we as the mentor are just knocking on the door. Ooh. And that takes them- a lot of humility. Mm-hmm. Like it actually takes yeah. us as leaders to step off the high horse, right? And actually come down to their level. Yeah, we're not Luke Skywalker. We're we're uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. But it's so it's so but it's so like <laughs> Luke Skywalker. To Luke be Skywalker the, gets all the the glory, right? And that should be that should be the people we're serving, right? No doubt. Wow! Whoa! That was amazing. <laughs> that was an amazing distinction. My my brain just lit up because what I what I love about what you're sharing. Is because most people, when they bring up this conversation of marketing, they will, I find, they will lean on like, hey, you know what? It's just the way it is. Negative marketing sells, so this is just the way it is. You got to figure out how to play the game. And I just, inside of me, I'm like, eh, no, my soul doesn't really like that answer. And, you know, for me, I just go with that and I'll figure it out. But I always, I just have this innate belief in the evidence in my business um, although it's not massive yet, the evidence for me is that it does work at the scale that it's at, which is about like relentless optimism. Yeah. And it's starting to work. Yeah. And the truth of it is, it's is, turning the tide, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Did you ever watch Mad Men? No the TV show. Okay. No. So, I mean, if, if you look at the history of marketing, what it is, is they, they created products mm-hmm. and then they hired marketing firms mm-hmm. to figure out how to sell the product. Right. And, uh, they're shitty products, you know, <laughs> and there were three channels to watch on TV and, and, uh, there's going to be 10 ads you saw on a single night during primetime TV for shitty products. Yeah. And they had to figure out a way to get you to buy them. Now, uh, now things have really shifted because we can get feedback very quickly. Doing market research is cool. It's easy. Uh, and, We can go on the internet and find out what people want and then we can create the thing that is going to help them reach their goals Mm. very quickly. That just wasn't possible before. So we're having this evolution in technology. We're having this evolution in in consciousness that is, you know, the younger people in the younger generations aren't going to bite the uh, lack-driven marketing. The younger people want to be the hero Mm -hmm. because – you know, and there's a lot of psychological explanations why this might be, but they have their Maslow's hierarchy needs are all met. So now they they want to sit in the hero's seat. They're not they're not fighting for survival. They want to create. And mm-hmm. so when somebody's mm-hmm. not in survival mode, motivating them with negativity is only going to turn them off. I that's interesting because I find that true about myself. Like I'm. And maybe that's because I've I, I would like to say that's because I've trained my brain in a certain way. And to a sense, that's true because I, I've there's a filtering mechanism that just filters out BS. But if I retrace my steps from a young child, I've always kind of get gravitated towards that hero's journey anyway. So there's always been this like unknown, kind of unrealistic. I'm gonna use that word, but. Um, uh, you know, a hopeful path. Mm-hmm. It's always been more of, I've always been inspired opposed to like inspired by hope opposed to like motivated by fear or desperation. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I like, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan and he's got this video that mm-hmm. where he talks about be the hero of your own story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
that one really, I, I think that would probably resonate with both of us. Absolutely. And that's a great, that's a great kind of thing to drop with everyone listening to this is that, you know, what's the narrative in your mind? What's the narrative about our life going on? Because the stories that we either tell ourselves or that we entertain is influencing every aspect of our reality. You know, our reality is very permeable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's malleable. And we just a lot of Way time, more so than you think. Right. And a lot of times <laughs> we're just not owning our own narrative. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said something in the beginning, which I thought was awesome and so true that I find for me, um, this idea of increasing our spiritual bandwidth through physicality, through training our body physically in order to, you know, know how you'd say it, but to, to harness maybe your spiritual potential. Yeah. There's something I've been playing around with a lot lately. And I find, you know, when you're sick or you're in pain, Mm -hmm. your ability to create and your ability, you know, I got sick for two weeks few months ago mm. uh, really sick for about two days but it took me a full two weeks to get out of it my ability to sit and meditate or to ha- be patient with people to practice compassion uh all these things were highly diminished totally. highly diminished and i couldn't be me tapping into my higher self was very diminished and so you know i think uh we can talk about flow states and all these other different things it's much easier to reach these states of consciousness when we're feeling amazing. Absolutely. And I don't know how many times I've worked with people who we've made changes and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then we make the change like, oh, I didn't know I could feel this good. I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting mm-hmm. to hear. And that's a reminder to me that maybe I don't know how good I can feel either. Yes. Um, and then there was a conversation I was having with my friend Guy last night mm-hmm. and we were talking about just – how much energy can, or what, how much capacity could your body hold for running energy and just running a lot? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, you might be able to hold something for an hour or a half hour. Right. But if you're in shape, you can hold it for three, four, yeah. five, six, yeah. seven, yeah. eight hours and not completely demolish you. Yeah. Um, you can participate in things longer, which means you can get in deeper. And so I think a lot of times the reason I bring that, you know, I'm interested in this is because I see a lot of people who have spiritual practices that it's like they're trying to get out of their body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I like to remind people that we're uh, spiritual beings having a a human experience and we're having a human experience for a fucking reason. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try, you know, trying to escape it. Yeah. If you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be here. So you're supposed to be here. So fucking do it. Like do do the full human experience. And that, Mm -hmm. and that includes, um, treating your body really well so it can do really cool shit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's exactly my, my kind of sentiment too, is to people I find like if I'm talking to different, different sides of the spectrum, if it's people that have been like you or me that we've been in like super young athletics most of our life. And yeah. it's like, okay, like yoga might be a great balance to get the rubber band elastic <laughs> again and to, for sure. to, to be pliable and, and relax and breathe. And then for people on that spectrum, it's like, Hey, like doing like squats and doing whatever form of like weight training, body weights, that kind of thing, resistance based training I think is essential on some level. It doesn't have to be full on. And I think like there's a, I'm thinking of a, a number of female friends of mine that are very powerful, um, spiritually focused little, little fairies with, you know, very strong in their body and their yoga practices. However, I noticed that I kind of like try to be like, Hey, you know, like I think like maybe twice a week, you'd really benefit from some strength training. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I can tell a difference with me personally. Actually, I have a lot to say about this, I think. Yeah. But for me personally, um, I can tell a difference. There's two things I need to do every week. Mm. And um, and I come from a very, you know, 
uh, intense background mm-hmm. where uh, I, I definitely, uh, I would say over the last two and a half years, I've been very yin focused. Like, let's fucking chill out. Yeah. Let's give, <laughs> let's give this body a break. Yeah. Let's heal the joints. Let's get better mobility. Let's, let's learn how to downregulate this nervous system that's been maxed out for a long time. Yeah. You know, there's all these things and I've, I've seen huge benefits. And I would say, I would say just recently, I think it took me about two years to dial myself back. But I've been pushing it hard from the age of 15 right? Yeah. to 33, Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I was competing in weightlifting, CrossFit. I'd been in the military. Like, mm, that's right. There's all this stuff where I was just pushing, pushing, pushing. So I found it took me about two years to heal myself mm-hmm. um, to a point where I'm sorry, I'm now finding balance. And now I'm feeling this huge desire to get back into the, the heavy lifting and the more intense activities. Yeah. And I'm, and I've always been, I've never cut it out completely. Yeah. One of the things I've recognized is I need to pick up something heavy <laughs> once a week. Yeah. I'm talking real fucking heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, four, four to hundred pound plus deadlift for me. Mm. You know, I weigh about 170. So like, I want to pick up something real heavy once a week. And one of the things that that does for me is, it uh it makes my nervous system go hard. Like I did it today. I deadlifted today. Mm-hmm. And it makes me tired. You know, the day of doing it, it's not it's and it's a it's a very healthy tired. I will sleep really well tonight yes. and I'm going to wake up really horny tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll be I will feel my libido jump yeah. for the next 4 yeah. to 5 days. Yeah, your testosterone and growth hormone are just like they just got that stimulus thing. Exactly. Need. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, you know, I'm stimulating my body in, yeah. in a very specific way. So I find that I need to pick up something heavy. It's a deadlift. It's a squat. Um, usually, yeah. you know, a bench press maybe, but I usually can't get a big enough load on that to get that nervous system response that I get with a deadlift or a squat. Um, so I need that once a week. I need, a, uh, I, I won't say I need this, but I, I do find a big benefit at hitting lactate threshold. Once a week or an anaerobic threshold is what you might hear it called. And that is something that's an all out effort for about 90 seconds to two minutes. Something where I like to feel the, the blood in my neck, like just burning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, uh, one of my favorite things to do is just sprints on the beach. So I will literally, I'll go through a really long warm up. It's a 30 minute warm up, and then I will, I'll run, um, you know, a few, about 800 meters would be what I'm looking at. And I just fucking go all out and, uh, maybe, maybe 600 meters is closer to it, but you know, it's a nice 60 to 90 second all out sprint. And, you know, again, I'll sleep well that night if I do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really good to push your lactate threshold every once in a while. That's a, you know, your, your energy system just to like, just wake it up. Yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. things that are happening enzymatically in the, the muscles yeah. and just the body overall that it's good to expose it to that. And then I'm also a big fan of just being ready for shit if it goes down. Mm-hmm. And if you never mm-hmm. and if you don't work that energy system, mm-hmm. then it's just not gonna be there. Yeah. You know, like you know, you might be really fast for a minute and then you die. Right. Or, or whatever. There's um so those are two things on the intensity side I like to do at least once a week. And I am likely to not do them on the same day. And so, and sometimes I replace, if I'm feeling a little achy, I'll replace uh, the heavy thing with a, something speed. So like a 10 second all out sprint, or I'll be doing uh, box jumps for height or something like that, where I'm still getting a, a pretty strong nervous system response without putting my, my joints um, under too much stress. So, uh, I like to do that twice a week, and then the rest of the week I do, you know, you know, more tempo lifts, something slower, something where I'm taking joints through end, end ranges of motion, and you know, hour long cardio sessions and and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, something that's a little, you know, less intense and more muscle building and joint, a lot of more joint joint care, mm-hmm. and then also spending again a lot of time doing breath work and and. Uh, and meditation and things to really, you know, mellow out. I also use, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jill Miller. 
She has the, uh, I'll have to show you her stuff. She's a, her company's called Yoga Tune Up and she's a yoga instructor. She's amazing. She's up in Studio City in LA. You should interview her. Okay. And now that I said on your show, you have to. Yeah, it has to happen. <laughs> She'll love you. You'll love her. And she has these balls and she has like all these things you can do with these balls and there's this big soft rubber ball. It's a purple thing. Yeah. And I massage my diaphragm every morning with it. And mm. I have all this stuff I do and I, I've met with her and, and I've trained with her and, and, uh, she, she's been a big teacher for me in a lot of ways and just embracing, you know, the, the vagus nerve, yeah, you know, the down regulation and yeah. the parasympathetic nervous system. Man, that's a whole nother topic right on that one right there. Yeah. So, Again, I like to push it hard at least twice a week. There's so many benefits to that. And, you know, I it breaks my heart when I have friends who they don't do that. You know, they, they're like, oh, I've got this yoga practice. I just go jogging. I'm I like, think people feel intimidated. They think, like, they have to trade one for the other or something. Well, I think we should be moving every day. Yeah. So if two mm-hmm. of the seven days we lift something heavy and the other five days we do nice, mellow shit. Cool. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think it's a great, great insight. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, everyone on my show and my audience that it's a very diverse and eclectic group of, of individuals around the world. And there is a huge population of people that are um, yoga consciousness yeah. and, and, and in, in that kind of category. I know there's, there's all kinds of people. Um, however, I imagine because of just my background and the type of people that follow me um, with the whole like raw food and kind of vegetarian mm-hmm. audience that it lends itself a lot to that particular demographic. Yep. So I really love this conversation because it brings in more of a complete picture. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go in the gym and pick up a barbell, you know? Uh, yeah. And like I was saying, I, I can a lot of times trade out some, picking up something heavy with doing something as fast as possible for 10 seconds or less. And so that might mean going and picking up a heavy log or a, a stone or yeah, it, it, it yeah. might even be better, you know. Like So you could be in nature, for example. Yeah, you don't have to be in nature. you like on a hike or something for and sure. just picking stones up. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're bipeds. Yeah. We should be running. Right. And right. It's, okay, it's okay to run fast every once in a while. You know, that tiger jumps out. You want to be able to, to jet. And then, uh, but yeah, we should be picking some shit up too, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, once a week can't hurt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. actually it will hurt if you only do it once a week, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's in, you know, in a world where we don't sit in chairs, you know, it's cool. You can just go out and pick up something heavy, but in a world where we are sitting in chairs, yeah. hire a coach, make sure yeah. you do it well. You know, if someone's doing yoga, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I've trained with enough yoga instructors to know that there's a huge variance and, uh, in skill. And, you know, I've been in classes where, man, they just let me get away with murder. And then I've been in classes where the yoga instructor really took care to make sure that I was in really great positions and all that kind of stuff. So the same thing happens with picking up heavy shit. If you haven't done it, you're probably going to have to be retaught how to do it. You did know how to do it at some point. Watch a child, watch a baby pick something off the floor. Right. And they naturally squat down. Great technique. Yeah. But we forget at some point because we stop doing it. We're supposed to be doing it. Yeah. And we're sitting down in chairs. Yeah. 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 Like we become conditioned out of that natural response. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We we have flat floors and and, uh, soft furniture. If you look around my house, I've got like very little furniture for that reason. Yeah. So we don't, you know, I stand at my desk and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm weird. No, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're, you're innovative in a, in a society that's, that's plagued by its own comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've been talking about is that comfort will kill you. For sure. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to see the effects of anything, take it to the extreme. And you know, that's usually what happens in scientific studies is you, you, uh, what, what do we call it? An efficacious dose. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
because we want to see the result of something in the fastest time possible. Right. So which is not which is not actually what's going to happen, yeah. but it's a good way to see the result of something in a very short period of time. Sure. And sure. so yeah, if you know, get as comfortable as possible for 12 weeks and see what happens to your body. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's all about balance as as we've been talking about. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to do something arduous every day. I highly I don't recommend that. You know, I don't recommend doing some arduous every day. We should be taking, you know, we should be taking it. We should be moving through full ranges of motion every day, but we don't need to be doing it with a heavy load. Well, we can even take that concept and translate it to what we were bringing up before we got on the air here was about pushing our edges, right? Yeah. So we could even wrap that up in a little bit of a metaphor where you, you, you push your edges physically twice a week and then maybe you're feeling once you start to feel great in your body and you feel stronger you have more endurance now you have more of a capacity and bandwidth emotionally and mentally to start pushing those edges intellectually maybe you can start learning more that's some whatever you're interested in maybe you have more emotional bandwidth to to push your edges relationally you know this this doesn't have to just stay in the body yeah i agree with that yeah for sure yeah, I, you know, I, I think what's an edge today may not be an edge tomorrow. Right, right. You know? and, yeah. And, uh, you know, I like having, I like traveling the full spectrum as much as possible, mm-hmm. whether it's physically, sexually, emotionally, intellectually. You know, if, if I, if I, uh, we should be or could be um, seeking out our limitations. And so I think a lot of times, uh, let, let limitations be your guide. And I think that when we yes. get into a single practice yes. and we get comfortable, you know, and, and, uh, you look around and you're the best person in the room at that thing, you have not been seeking your limitations. You've been focusing mm-hmm. on, on the things that you do well. And, and that's okay. I mean, I focus on my strengths too. Yeah. However, I'm I'm also continually uh, pushing you know towards my limitations. Yes. And some days, you know, if I'm pushing my limitations emotionally, mm-hmm. I'm not pushing my limitations physically. Right. You know, I've got to I've got to choose my fight, mm-hmm. and I choose my fight that day, and then you know, sleep on it. And sleep on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um. I wanna. I wanna. I want to um, wrap this this incredible conversation up on back at this note of potential, mm. and and I think that's kind of where this is going, anyways. Of you know, one of the things you mentioned in the beginning was the difference between performance and potential, and the different interpretations that could mean. And so, when you think of your own human potential, or maybe it's the people you work with, or just humanity as a whole. What comes up for you when you think of um, trying to phrase this um, the possibilities for human potential? You know, I'm, I'm. What I find is the more I push my own potential and I have more discovery about myself, it enables me to help others. Sure. You know, and. Uh, and I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had this feeling just the last few weeks is that it really hit me. I uh, I think I'm, I'm moving into a new phase of my life. I don't think. I, I am moving into a new phase of my life. And I um, – and with this phase shift, I've really begun to see where I'm at. You know, I'm getting a new perspective on it because uh, a couple months ago, I felt like I was fairly maxed out and like, you know, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm at the top of my game in a lot of areas. I don't know where else I could grow. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just tweaking things here and there. And then I went through this phase shift in uh, the end of January, beginning of February. And now I'm like, a baby all over again. I'm an infant, you know? And so I'm in regard to my own potential and then also what's possible for the potential of for, for all humans. 
man, I'm I'm stoked because <laughs> I get to learn so much more now. And I think I think a lot of times people fight the phase shift or Ooh, never, never yeah. they never get to the phase shift. So then yeah. that's when they start dying. And so uh, embracing a new phase can I'm a child again and I get to be a student and I'm ready to dive in and. What's interesting is I'm, one of the things I'm super excited about is I feel like the the phase I just left, the phase I just left, I, I was I, I hang out with a lot of people who they were innovators in, for that phase, and I felt like I was I was just learning about everything that everyone else has already discovered, and I'm making little tweaks on my own and all that kind of stuff. And what I'm excited about in this new phase is. I don't know anybody that's in like, there's very yeah. few people that are in the phase that I'm going into. Ooh, yeah. 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 And so I, that's I, great. I'm in, I'm moving from an early adopter to an innovator and in that I'm starting to see, I'm getting in an uncharted territory, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Right. So I'm looking around and I'm going, there's not that many motherfuckers over here. You know, where I came from, was sparse and where the, the phase I'm moving into, it's even fewer, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you have to look long and hard and then get yeah. lucky to find that person. And I am, I'm looking for those people. I'm looking for those people because we need to be talking and <laughs> we need to be hanging out totally, and we need to be sharing our ideas and helping, you know, uh, boost that creativity. So, um, I'm excited because, you know, I know that because I'm going to be, I'm learning so fast right now, it's, I can be of even more service and uh, mm. super excited. I'm stoked. I'm stoked about life. Yeah. That was an incredible answer. And that, that, that enthusiasm for life is necessary. Mm-hmm. It's either a byproduct or a prerequisite, one or the other, or both of, you know, ex, uh, you know, exploring our human potential. Yeah. Yeah. There's an enthusiasm about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's easy. You know, I, I think that if I'm not being enthusiastic, it's because I feel like I already know. Yes. Which means I'm closed off to possibilities Absolutely. and all this other stuff. But I, I, because of like the new phase, embracing the new phase, I'm going, the possibilities just fucking exploded in front of me, yeah. and I'm 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 like finding new possibilities every single day. I'm like, oh shit, there's even more. So now I'm like, which ones am I gonna choose? So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really interested in choosing something that is not you know in, in the path that's le- least traveled. So, and I'm I'm 35. Yeah. So you know I've got. You know, I'm probably halfway to that next big point. I don't know, man. I think I'm about twenty percent to death. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that be who knows? Right. Just stick in there. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm shooting for about one seventy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, 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 I feel like yeah, something similar to that as a, as kind of just a, and then as we get closer to that, then I might reevaluate my my trajectory. That's right. <laughs> We'll just we'll just go a little further. Reevaluating all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I may have miscalculated that. Okay. I, I actually think that's a necessary part of longevity is that the more you want to be here, the better the probability that you'll be here. Yeah. I, I find it to be interesting. Um I, I bet if we went back far enough in history, we would find people who were thirty five. Yep. They'd be like, Man, I've really lived a full life. It's time to go. Because shit wasn't changing. Right. You know? Right. Wow, I've been out hunting every day for like whatever. You know what? I you know I've lived a good life. A good long life. You know it makes sense. And now it's you know, people say that when they're, you know, eighty. Yeah. I've heard I went to a death cafe a couple months ago and there was a guy there who's ninety three or something and he was saying that I was like, Okay, I get it. I get it. But, you know, I I think I'm gonna feel so good for so long and if I can keep learning I'll stay excited that, you know, also on that note, it appears that when you, when you map out all the longest living people, the number one commonality is that neurologically 
mm. that they have the greatest matter of, of glial cells and gray gray matter and myelination. Really, to me, and also looking at their habits, they're all actively learning. They play chess. Yep. They're they're yep. they're they're like reading all the time. They're they're actively engaged with learning. Yeah, and this is what I was saying a little bit earlier about picking up something heavy. It's such a load on the nervous system yes. that it's. And it's reminding the nervous system that it's there with fire. You know, it's like you need to gun the car down the highway every once in a while to totally. get the gunk yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, And uh, And the nervous system and the endocrine system are not separate. Right. You know, when the nervous system does something, the endocrine system, it responds. And that's hormones. But it's it produces the testosterone. It produces the growth hormone. It produces the other however many hormones are in the body that mm-hmm. – that regulate what's happening with the cells that keep them alive and replicating yeah. and healthy and so on and so forth. So um, none of this is separated. And I know you talk about this a lot on your show is mm-hmm. like the human body as a, as a whole system. That's right. Yeah. A whole systems approach. And I think that uh, again, yeah, we need to be hitting it from all the different angles where we need to be, yeah. continue to learn. And that's, I'm, I'm motivated to uh, pick up an instrument soon. For that reason, I've never been a musician. Yes. I've never played music. And I know that that does wonders for the brain and just the nervous system. I was gonna that, ask, that, that, that also is one of the other things is musical instruments. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna learn to be a pianist. That's me too. That's, that's the yeah, one wanna, that speaks to well, me. Yeah, and, and I also, you know, from what I understand about music, Piano is a great one to start with because it's linear and it's, if you can learn that, then all the other instruments become easier to learn too. Interesting. It gives you a good base. Yeah. So, and I like how the, it's somewhat symmetrical too, as a, as you're playing with something like a guitar is very asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. You're less likely, you're going to develop the left or the right more so or in a certain way. Right. So, you know. Mm. So many ideas. I'm super. I'm super stoked. This is amazing. I, I can feel the audience potentially like having all these little popcorn moments in their mind of just like whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you know the potential for accelerated learning and for developing new skills and things that they probably were interested in as kids, but they were talked out of for the seriousness of life. And now they're like, hey, you know what? I want to. I've been wanting to play the guitar. I want to play the piano. I want to go swimming or whatever that that interest inside them is and um and i hope it inspires everyone to 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 believe yeah again yeah i think i think most people walk around with the feeling that they don't have enough time yes that's what i that's the one i hear yeah that's you know when i survey my audience about you know some of the biggest challenges that they're facing time usually is at the top of the list so What the good news is, is uh, robots are going to be doing everything for us soon. And there will be a – what's it called? Uh, Everyone will be getting a minimum base, you know, pay in some way and and, uh, whatever it's called. And uh, and we'll have more time to pick up these skills and uh, be human again. Uh I uh, just hope that all of you listening don't wait – until then, you exactly. pick it up now. You don't have to wait till now. But yeah, it's all here. Yeah. You know, you just have to embrace it. The only reason technology is not more widely distributed is because it's not more widely adopted. Right. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, the iPhone is everywhere because everybody wants it. Yeah. And people, you know, there's a lot of, there's so many things that can be automated that just aren't being taken advantage of yet. The tools are there. Mm-hmm. You just have to look and Practice some creativity and how they can apply to your life and your work. Okay, mm. that's a whole other thing. Whole other thing. And a lot of these, a lot of these tidbits are things that I know that you talk about a lot on the variety of platforms that you have. So let's share with everyone your platforms that people can dive into more of your content. Oh yeah, um, if you are into athleticism, strength and conditioning, you know, picking up heavy shit. <laughs> A little bit of science here and there. Hopefully a lot of science. Not hopefully there is a lot. Um, Barbell Shrugged podcast is a show you can check out. It's also uh, on the YouTubes. Um, and then I, I have another show about business, but uh, about business in the 
the fitness industry. It's yeah. called Barbell Business. And then I have uh, my personal show, which is more of a free-for-all. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and that one tends to be more about philosophy, spirituality, personal development, mm-hmm. uh, which all this stuff is personal development, of course. But uh, it's a little bit broader. And, and I think this audience, at least generally speaking, would immediately get onto that. Yeah, this audience, uh, I, I think, start with the Bledsoe show and go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been some, I've, I've had some stellar interviews lately where I'm just like, oh, I'm interviewing somebody. I'm like, oh, shit. And, of course, Ronnie's been on the show, and we got into, like, some really good shit. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie will be back on, mm-hmm. and we're going to mm-hmm. dig in even deeper. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, going to be yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, do you have your own website? Yeah. Uh, just thebloodsoshow.com. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. that stuff is – It'll all be in the show notes, so you guys can just check the show notes to get all that information. Yeah. Go to thebloodsoshow.com and, and yeah. just – Find the find the show that resonates with you. Just go through yeah. all the titles. Yeah, you know we got I've got uh, over seventeen up now. So and I and I and that's one by the way that I'm subscribed to, and I I rarely ever stay subscribed to very many. Um, but that one I'm always looking out for the next one, and I know a lot of the people on it, but um, that doesn't determine if I'm going to listen to something. Right. So so there is actually I I have to just vouch for the incredible conversations that you engage with people um, because I've listened to at least 60% of them. Yeah. And that's rare that that happens. For so, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to listen to every <laughs> podcast. I actually think it's harder when you know people. Yeah, maybe. Because, huh? because you're like, oh, I've already heard that. Preconceptions. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the fact that you listen to the show. Yeah. 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 It means well, a lot. Yeah. Well, you're doing amazing work. Thank you so much. This was truly amazing. Um, and I had a feeling, well, this was literally the most unscripted interview I've done. Boom! Which, and it was a per, I, I love our flow and the, the synergy. So thanks, thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure.